The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Season 2 of Students of Mind, the podcast where we aim to normalize conversations about mental health. Last season, we connected you with experts in the field of mental health to provide an understanding of topics and illnesses that may not have been easily accessible. This season, we will continue our learning journey together by not only speaking to experts, but also by listening to the voices and stories of real people who are living, surviving, and even thriving while also facing challenges with their mental health in their everyday life. This season, we want to hear your stories to get the full truth of what it's like to manage one's mental health and navigate living with mental illness. My name is Jade, and today's episode is the first of a series of episodes diving into the topic of body image. In this first discussion, I sit down with Sarah Jane Thomas, a therapist who is providing healing and a fat-positive space for people struggling with eating disorder and body image issues, while also on her own journey of recovery from an eating disorder. I hope by listening to the show, you're able to learn something new and gain some encouragement through hearing our experts and listening to the journeys of our guests. However, this show is not a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have about your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Students of Mind podcast. Today's guest is Sarah Jane Thomas, who has existed as both a patient and a therapist in eating disorder recovery treatment. As someone living in a fat body, Sarah pulls from her own experiences help others in fat and marginalized bodies through a somatic and trauma-informed approach. In our discussion, we talk about body image and weight stigma, the presence of fat phobia in traditional eating disorder treatment, and how trauma impacts how we exist in our bodies. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, before we get into the topic of today, can you just tell us a little about yourself and the yeah. work that you do? 
Sure, sure. Uh, so I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in California. I'm in San Francisco in the Sunset District. Um, right now I'm just doing telehealth for private practice like everyone is. Um, for the past six years or so, pretty much since I came into this line of work, I've been working in elementary school settings mostly with children and their parents and the school system with non-profit mental health agencies in San Mateo County. Um, so that's kind of where I gained like my experience and um, getting to work with kids is super important to me. So, <laughs> so that was a really special, it's been really special to do that. Um, and then in September, just this last September, I actually got licensed officially. So I'm relatively new to being licensed while I do have a lot of experience <laughs> from leading up to that. But that kind of gives you the freedom to to do private practice. So that's kind of what led me to, to really launching that. And um, I think the work in body image stuff is really just stemming a lot from my personal experience. Um, yeah. And then just seeing kind of uh, room for maybe needing more providers that are in larger bodies themselves. Um, Cause you don't see a whole lot of that, I guess, um, especially in like eating disorder recovery, that doesn't always happen. Um, yeah, and so so I do still support the agency work, um, doing program coordination, but this is kind of my new venture, doing private practice and working with body image. Um, I've definitely had body image stuff come up working with the kiddos. Um, that's, you know, its own thing, which I definitely want to work on in the future. Um, <laughs> for now, I'm starting on my work with adults, but um, yeah, everybody, everybody could use a little support around that, I think. <laughs> yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think it's so cool that you kind of started with kids. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's super important, like getting kind of that mental health knowledge when you're young, especially like elementary age. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I wish I had a therapist when I was in elementary school. That would have been nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, So Today's topic is body image, and um, I kind of just want to start with the basics, um, you know, like uh, defining what body image is and how it affects mental health. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I kind of consider body image to be kind of a combination of maybe the way that we understand how our bodies are perceived in the world and also kind of our own relationship with our bodies. And I tend to think of body image more so as like a spectrum um, that maybe we slide along. Like we don't, you know, necessarily like land in one place and we're always going to have positive body image or neutral or whatever the case may be. Uh, But I think we probably do like tend to live in like a certain area on that spectrum most of the time. Uh, But for me, like positive body image would be like you just generally think, you know, positive things about your body, you know, you maybe like things about your body, Um, you definitely are able to, you know, listen to your body's cues and what your body needs and take care of it. Um, I think when you get to like neutral body image, it's not necessarily good or bad, you're just kind of like, you know, understand that your body is and that you need to nourish it and rest and move it when it needs. Um, Yeah, and then when we get closer to like, maybe more negative body image, that's where maybe there's some more kind of hurtful thoughts we're having. And 
maybe we're not really responding to our body's cues or needs. Um, you know, that could be, you know, choosing to not eat or choosing to eat a lot or, um, you know, maybe exercising when we're tired or we're injured or, you know, that like that type of thing, um, as well as just having kind of negative thoughts about our bodies. And I think the other piece to negative body image is um, our self-worth is very linked to that body image. So you might notice like really drastic mood changes from the slightest thing, like noticing something different about how your clothes fit. And maybe that affects your whole day, you know, um, in just a moment. Um, so that's kind of the way that I like to think about it. Um, and obviously we can see how all those pieces are affecting our mental health and our mood along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you mentioned self-worth, um, which I think self-worth and self-esteem, I think are two things that are Mm -hmm. very connected to body image. Can you talk about, uh, you know, what each of those things mean? Because I feel like some people use them interchangeably, but I think they're a little bit different. Yeah. And I think that somewhat I kind of use them interchangeably as well. I could see how probably could get into like making some sort of differentiation between the two. But um, yeah, I think that just has to do with um, kind of if your um, sense of yourself belonging and being accepted is tied to something outside of you or tied to like kind of internal, um, you know, kind of more core things that are with you all the time. Whereas maybe if it's tied to something outside of you, um, like looking a certain way or, you know, matching a certain perception, um, you know, it's going to sway drastically how you feel about yourself day to day. Um, whereas if it's more internally kind of rooted, um, you know, that might not happen as easily. And I think that could affect maybe how much you sway on this body and body image spectrum also, um, depending on like where that lives for you. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think I, um, with self-esteem is something that I like like because I'm in recovery from my eating disorder especially at the beginning I didn't like tie that to body image like I found myself being like oh I don't really um you know care about what other people think but I would be doing so much Mm -hmm. to do things to myself before I like went out and when I kind of realized that I was like oh okay that's yeah Yeah, I can definitely relate to that experience too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and yeah, the process of recovery is just ongoing and complicated and yeah. You know, you hit different layers and you think, "Oh, you know, am I have I reached like my am I good now?" And then you're like, "Oh wait, you know, this is ongoing. There's no like destination here." Um for sure. It's yeah. It's a process. <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah. And um something that I've seen you mention um, just on social media is uh, you talk about trauma a little bit, which I feel like everyone kind of has experience Mm -hmm. with trauma, but um, I'm wondering how does trauma relate to or impact someone's body image? Yeah, for sure. Um, So I guess I'll kind of start by saying that like trauma itself is kind of the way that I think of it and how it's often described is kind of when your 
nervous system is kind of just fundamentally overwhelmed beyond its ability to cope with the situation. And that can be lots of different things. It could be, you know, a big event that happened. It could be a lot of small things that kind of build up over time. Um, It can even be learning about something traumatic that's happened to someone that you really care about. Um, And that may be considered like vicarious trauma or secondary trauma. Um, And then there's also ancestral trauma or generational trauma. And that may be something we don't necessarily feel um, like a conscious connection to, but it's still kind of deeply rooted in us. Um, And so trauma really lives in the body. Um, And so I think in that sense, it is kind of inextricably linked to body image, particularly if you have challenges with that. Um, Yeah. And, you know, there are, you know, instances where we kind of become disconnected from our trauma and that may be like dissociation. Um, And that could be a way to cope kind of separating from our bodies. Um, And, you know, the, the thing is like maybe, mentally or we you know intellectually we know where we don't feel the trauma or really remember the trauma even but your body might have certain experiences like anxiety or depression or whatever it might be um and that's kind of your body remembering the trauma um if that makes sense <laughs> i mean our bodies are just really powerful and hold hold a lot for us and uh yeah so i think that body image and kind of the relationship to caring for our bodies and nourishment and movement, they play like a really big role in kind of that trauma response. Cause I, I do tend to believe that like eating disorder behaviors and um, body image challenges are, are often kind of a response to trauma. Um, and that can be a way to cope. I mean, everyone's situation is different, obviously. Um, and you know what they experience, but I think that, you know, for example, you know, like eating disorder behaviors or body image challenge could be a way to kind of have a little bit more control over your experience. You know, I think is I think moving through the world in a larger body, there's a lot of ways the world's not set up for you. Um, the world, you know, there's various ways. Like physically, there are ways it's not set up. There are ways that, like, you know, just the attitudes that people have, um, you know, and going through the world. So taking kind of like getting a sense of control over it. So all that hurt that comes from um, the outside world or like, you know, that you're not fitting in or being accepted for whatever reason because uh, of the way your body looks, um, you know, you might take control of that by kind of turning it in onto yourself. Um, in a lot of ways. And sometimes that gives you a sense of control, but it doesn't actually help us. Um, So I don't know, I guess, I don't know, it's kind of a a long roundabout answer, I guess. But um, yeah, and I think also just we we get a lot of um, messages from like our caretakers and, um, you know, as children and like our partners and our friends. Um, And I think that's another piece why I really appreciate my experience working with kids so much because um, I had a supervisor once ask me, you know, what kind of grown up do you think this kid is going to be? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> um, so I kind of feel like that goes both ways and thinking like, what kind of kid was this person? Um, what was, the, what was their experience like as a kid? Um, Cause I do think that kind of childlike part of us lives lives in us still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, that's a good segue kind of shifting into like how 
you know, you address body image in yeah. your practice. Because um, I did see on your website how you said that, you know, you, there's a young child part mm-hmm. within a lot of people. And um, can you talk about, uh, like, the importance of that part and, like, sure. um, the benefits of kind of, like, working with that part and yeah. uh, using that part in your healing journey? For sure, for sure. Um, so I think, um, a lot of what I like to do when I'm working with clients is something called parts work, or you might call it parts work, but, um, just, and there's also a, a, like a type of therapy called, um, IFS internal family systems. That's also very similar. If you've seen the movie inside out, that might, (laughs) might give you an idea of what that's like, but, um, just kind of the idea that there are just, we, we even say it, right? Like part of me feels this way. Part of me feels that way. Part of me wants this, but then part of me wants that, you know, we, we do it already naturally. Um, and I think that, that, um, kind of giving attention to identifying, um, listening to what these parts of us have to say can be really powerful. Um, and I also think that there's this wisdom that children have, that we kind of get detached from as adults. And I think reconnecting to that child part of us can really um, bring things um, into our awareness that maybe we just kind of had disconnected from over time. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of, I guess, I don't know if that's (laughs) answering your question fully, but um, I think just like breaking down um, the experience of, of your child part can be really helpful in therapy work yeah yeah I just probably a year ago learned about like parts work my therapist was in like just talking about my history Mm -hmm. um she was like this could be something that's really helpful and it's been like monumental in my healing and I've been like (laughs) telling so many people oh like you should ask your therapist about parts work because it's so interesting to kind of look back and see how things that happened or or things that you learned when you were younger kind mm-hmm. of translate into the person that you are now. For sure, yeah. Um, and for me, it's kind of like one thing I struggle with is like not knowing why I feel things mm-hmm. or why yeah. I have a certain sensation and it's given me yeah. the opportunity to like figure out like a yes, yes exactly yes yeah and that kind of goes back to um like kind of just detaching from your like sensations and body experiences and right. it's a very common um experience yeah but it is a great way to kind of tune into those sensations and figure out what's trying to talk to you right now right. <laughs> what's not trying to tell you <laughs> yeah and um you know, kind of backtracking a bit yeah. because you do say that, um, particularly with folks in fat and marginalized mm-hmm. bodies, that it's important to work with that child yeah. part. Um, so backtracking from that, yeah. you say that you are a fat positive mm-hmm. therapist. Yeah. Can you talk about like what that means? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so for me, being a fat positive therapist means that I'm accepting and affirming and supportive of people in all bodies um and part of that part of the reason um including or my hope for including fat positivity in my work is that people who do live in larger bodies can know that it's a safe space 
a place that they can exist without the expectation that their bodies need to change in any way. Um, you know, I really want to value and respect and honor kind of the existence in, in our bodies as they are right now. Um, yeah, because, you know, I can speak to my own personal experience even in in therapy, I mean, but in other th- other settings as well. Like there's kind of, I think when you live in a larger body, there's this underlying sense that you're expected to change your body or at least be trying to. Um, and I think that using fat positivity as kind of a way to identify myself um, can kind of speak to the fact that that's, you know, not what's going to happen <laughs> when we're working together. And I want to be accepting of all, all people in all bodies. Um, yeah. Cause you know, our culture really glorifies certain bodies and demonizes others. And um, even if it's not explicitly said, even though, you know, oftentimes it is explicitly said, you can still feel that like energy and the messages um, telling you that your body's not accepted or needs to change. So that's kind of where I, where I land with that positivity. Um, in therapy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love when I hear uh, mental health workers or healers of any type who kind of take from their own experience. Um, So can you talk a little bit about like your journey Mm -hmm. with body image and then how kind of you were able to develop it and, you know, apply it to your work? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I would say that my body image journey has been ongoing probably since childhood um, because I've always been in a larger body slightly since like elementary school. It's that's just been my existence. (laughs) Uh, But I think that the point at which I became aware of that was when the when the like body image challenges really started, because I don't know that I was necessarily aware of it before all of a sudden, um, you know, I'm seeing my peers and I'm comparing myself, you know, that sort of thing happens. Um, So I would say it's been ongoing, but in terms of like really, really working in depth with my body image or really even having a lot of self-awareness about it um, that, you know, I've, I've, it's been about three years since I have gone through my own eating disorder treatment. Um, And that was just a wild experience. (laughs) I wasn't expecting it. You know, my, my therapist kind of brought it up to me uh, and suggested that maybe that was going on. And I was kind of, you know, shocked at first. And then I was like, well, you know, this makes sense. (laughs) Um, And I think, uh, you know, it took, it took a long time. It took a long time. And I would hardly say that I'm like a hundred percent anywhere yet, (laughs) but um, as time goes by, I, I can see like, the growth and change within myself um, and also just like the acceptance of myself too. Cause yeah, it's just, it's hard. You know, I, I like many others spent the majority of my life um, on some type of diet, <laughs> you know, um, really just not, not paying attention to what I actually needed and what my body wanted. Um, just prescribing all these things to myself because I thought that was going to make me, you know, fit into the right, body and the right look and be accepted more. Um, yeah. And I think also in terms of my journey, inspiring kind of my work in therapy, um, within eating disorder treatment, I kind of, it kind of became clear to me that, um, there is still a lot of fat phobia in eating disorder treatment. And I noticed people 
sort of being treated differently um, depending on the size of their body or whatever their label of eating disorder was. Um, And that really didn't sit well with me. And I kind of, you know, I definitely pushed back from time to time with, with my experience, but, um, but yeah, I just, I see a lot of room for growth and I just, I want to try to make the shifts that I can and hopefully impact that community and the eating disorder recovery community as much as I can. Um, and just provide a space that is safe and understanding of the experience of, especially being in a, a larger body with an eating disorder. Um, that's not what I think we imagine generally as a society or culture, <laughs> Um, there's pretty a pretty standard image when you think eating disorder. I agree. There's so much fat phobia uh, within eating disorder treatment. Um, and something else that I notice is that there's there's a lot of providers that I feel like don't have the real experience of yeah. living with an disorder. And I think something that is so helpful is having someone who has gone through that journey or is also on that journey for sure there to support you and um even like seeing providers with different body types could be helpful and um you know another layer of that seeing providers of the same race would be helpful of course so Mm -hmm. I think that what I love about what you're doing is that y- you you're still living it mm-hmm. and you've been through it mm-hmm. and you're like putting yourself in the place so that people who are also living through it and are in the thick mm-hmm. of it can feel more comfortable because yeah. I know like I it took me so long to like feel comfortable even getting treatment because I just felt like just so wrong yeah. in everything that I was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think it's great that you're also so open about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for lived experience um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's only so much that you can learn. I say this all the time, but through like, college and textbooks learning about eating disorders and that's good you know there's a lot of providers out there who are great yeah from that experience but the lived experience provides like a whole other level of understanding yeah yeah for sure and I think um a piece of it too is that um you know there's just I think part of what I had noticed is there's a lot of inconsistencies with like the the kind of overarching messages like weight loss is never the goal in eating disorder treatment. But then there would be other kind of comments that suggested that like when I was healed, my body would be smaller. And I was kind of like, that doesn't make sense. Like there is a, there is a big divide here. Like we need to clarify this and like, you're telling me one thing, but I'm getting a lot of messages telling me the opposite. So it's that sort of thing that for sure, it like makes it super hard for, for people who are not represented by their providers in any way. So now can we talk about like some of the techniques um, or modalities that you use in your practice to help people who are on their journey? Yeah. Um, So I 
definitely, this is sort of, I'd say like from my experience after like going to grad school and then starting, you know, working with the kids um, and in therapy, doing therapeutic work with kids. Um, I think that some of these things just emerged <laughs> kind of on their own naturally. I think we're all curious, like, what's our style going to be? What kind of therapist am I going to be? <laughs> um, but I, but some of these things just sort of kind of arose on their own, but um, kind of just the body stuff, like somatics and, and body awareness. Um, you know, you can think of, of, of somatic awareness as kind of tuning into the sensations in your body. Um, and the messages your body's sending you, your internal cues. Um, it's, you know, you know, you might even think of mindfulness. Um, it's kind of a similar, a similar type of experience, um, which is something that I use a lot, mindfulness, um, in my work with, with kids and adults. Um, I think it's helpful for everyone to practice. Um, yeah. And, um, I think, yeah, like body image and eating disorder stuff is very linked to our internal cues, right? Our, um, our sensations are how, how connected we are to our bodies and like, what's the quality of that connection? Um, but yeah, so I, I use a lot of mindfulness, a lot of body awareness, um, a lot of kind of like you had mentioned, like, oh, what's this sensation I'm having? And like, what does that mean? And like, where's that coming from? What's that trying to tell me? Kind of, you know, I tend to like, I kind of like the concept of like, if you're, you know, having a sensation or a feeling, it's just asking for some attention. Um, and so kind of giving it that attention and listening, it's very similar to parts work. Like I <laughs> talked about a little earlier, it's kind of a part of that itself. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, yeah, body awareness is a big piece. Creativity is a big piece for me. Um, using like art, um, writing is all super, super important to me. Um, I think there's something really powerful about using art or like kind of an, uh, an external medium for expressing ourselves. I think it gives us almost like a sense of safety um, to be able to kind of like not sit and talk and say the words and like be so, you know, concrete about it, but being able to kind of like put it out here and like, this is, this picture is how I'm feeling. Like, I don't have to live with it inside my body in this one moment. I can experience on this paper, however it comes out. Um, so I think using creativity and art, um, writing even, um, has been super helpful for, for me in my own mental health. Um, journey. Um, I found that to be so helpful when I was having a really tough time, just like writing. Sometimes I would be like, I can't read this after, <laughs> after I wrote something, but it still, you know, kind of helps you get it out of your head and onto the page. Um, so I think using things like that, where you can kind of project your experience outside of yourself a little bit can be super helpful. Um, but then I also want to kind of mention how sometimes being in your body and being aware of your body is also um, not not very safe feeling for some people. Um, you know, sometimes being in your body and being aware of your sensations is being like where you've been hurt, um, you know, being where your trauma lives. Um, so I think having a trauma-informed approach and being really sensitive to that is super important um, and going slowly. Um, taking breaks, deep breaths, like using grounding techniques as much as you can. Um, 
is really, really important. Cause yeah, I think if we're just jumping into having people be aware of their body sensations, we're not always going to be helping them <laughs> to kind of take each person's experience as it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I think, um, a lot of some of the things that you hear that you might, uh, do in therapy can sound so overwhelming, mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you've never like done therapy before Mm -hmm. um so it's helpful knowing that your approach is like slow and and kind of gradual yeah I think being gentle is like very important with this um and yeah I, I again I think I learned a lot from the kids I've worked with to be honest I think they've they've taught me a lot um and yeah, and it's just, yeah, I think just like being gentle, really listening and tuning in and building that relationship is super important because um, that's hard. And a, a lot of times our trauma is within relationship too. So that can be super hard too to, to get to that place where you do feel safe with your therapist. It takes time. Um, it's not something that happens overnight, just like any other relationship. Um, yeah. <laughs> So another question I have is um, about health at every size. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about um, like what that is and what that means and, and the goal of that movement? Yeah, I could speak to it a little bit. I wouldn't say okay. I'm an expert, but oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I can certainly um, speak to it a little bit. Um, and I think the, the main, uh, the, the kind of the paradigm of health at every size is just uh, you, you know, you really can't determine someone's health by looking at them. You can't determine if someone's healthy from the way that they look. Um, and you can be healthy in any, any size body. Um, and I think a lot of health at every size kind of is debunking a lot of things. Um, you know, things about like diet culture, like BMI, um, things like that, that again, I, I won't speak to you in depth because I <laughs> not necessarily an expert on all of that, but but I think that that's a big piece of kind of debunking like the health system and understanding that, um, you know, using a critical lens with where you're taking your information from and who's done these studies, who pay for this study, um, you know, who's benefiting from the results of this study? <laughs> um, what were the participants like? You know, like there's a lot of things like that that I think um, the um, – kind of like the data has been skewed to to fit for fit for a certain person who wants to profit off of folks who um yeah might have troubles with with body image or or um their yeah body size shape um so I think I think that's kind of some of the basics of it yeah and, and I think another important thing to say too when we're talking about health at every size is that um, you know, I don't want to like portray the idea of like healthism, and I don't think that um, health is like a moral issue. Like, you're, it doesn't like affect whether you are worthy of respect um, or anything else because of your health status. You know, um, nobody owes anyone their health. Like, everyone still is is um, entitled to the same like dignity and treatment and care. Um, no matter what the state of their body is. So um, I think that can kind of get a little bit um, confusing when you hear health at every size because health is in the title. <laughs> but um, I think that, yeah, that's an important thing to mention. Great. Um, and then something I've been asking recently in my interviews is um, 
like what's one thing or like one idea that you wish more people knew um, about body image? Hmm. I'm just thinking about what kind of cracked the door open for me, I guess. (laughs) Um, And I think exposing myself to more fat positive kind of activists, um, I guess influencers, if you will, (laughs) um, has been really helpful and understanding that there like is a community that's like outside of the norm of like what we see everywhere. Um, I think that is something I wish that people knew, like you can mold your Instagram feed to be what you need it to be. It's possible not to say you're going to have to like, not you you will have to like mute people and unfollow people because you know, there's going to be things that trigger those things in you that aren't helpful. But um, that was something I was kind of like, wow, I didn't realize I could open my Instagram account and be like, Oh, this is affirming of my, how I exist in the world. And I can feel good about myself from looking at these things instead of feeling like I need to change myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think that's, that was one of the things that really helped me as I was going through like eating disorder treatment and the early stages of that was being able to rely on like, Oh, there are these people who are, are doing this and going through this and living this. And like, I'm not alone in it. I think is super helpful. Yeah. And and I think that's one of the beauties of social media is that you can connect with so many people going through the same thing. Exactly. For sure. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that kind of leads into my next question is just about resources um, uh, that you suggest for people who want to learn more about body image or who may be struggling with body image themselves. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, I have a ton of resources, <laughs> which I'm happy to share with you. <laughs> yes, please. Um, after, but I think for me, it's been a lot of reading. I have a, a lot of books that I've read. I think the first book I picked up when I, shortly after I got my eating disorder diagnosis and was starting to be like, what is fat positive? <laughs> um, was Virgie Tovar's book, You Have the Right to Remain Fat. Um, that book's amazing. Um, there's a lot of amazing books out there. There's like The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. Um, there's so many. It's it's even hard to like name them all in this moment. But, um, and then, yeah, a lot of, um, I think a lot of Instagram accounts as well um, are super, super, super helpful. Um, uh, there's one in particular, the fat sex therapist. Uh, her name is Sonali Rashidwar. Um, she's amazing. <laughs> she's one of my favorite people I follow. Um, and then, um, there's also, her name's Ashley Bennett. She's a body image therapist on Instagram. Um, I actually attended a workshop that she and another, um, gal led, um, a couple of years ago when we weren't in lockdown. Um, (laughs) um, that was amazing. And we did a, we did a clay, um, we made a clay body. It was just like a really, really like super, super awesome experience. Um, but that's another person I follow because she always has some really, um, important things to share. Um, yeah, but I think just following lots of different people and also listening to yourself. If someone posts something that's like, Hey, that makes me feel a little icky. <laughs> just unfollow them. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> it's your feed, you know? So, right. um, yeah. So I think a lot of reading, a lot of like 
online resources. There are also some websites, um, organizations like NAFA, which is National Association for the Advancement of Fat Acceptance, I think is what that stands for. And then ASDA, which is the Association for Size, Diversity, and Health. Um, both of those organizations have a lot of resources as well um, on their sites that I think can be super helpful, especially if someone's trying to learn more about just fat acceptance, uh, body acceptance, um, that type of thing. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and lastly, how can my audience and I stay up to date with you and the work that you do? Yeah. So I guess mainly at, on Instagram, um, mm-hmm. I'm at embodied self underscore SF like San Francisco. Um, and then also my website, you can, um, see more about my work there, what I do more about me. Um, you can also contact me there if you're interested in working together. Um, my website's my name, sarahjanethomas.org. <laughs> um, and you can also email me too. That's all, all that information's on my website. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Um, you. I really appreciate you sharing and giving all this information and insight. I think it'll be really helpful for a lot of people. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. (laughs) Thanks for making space for this. (laughs) Of course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Students of Mind. This is a shorter one because of some things that came up, so thank you for being patient with me as I catch up. I want to say thank you to Sarah for such a great conversation. Talking with her gives me hope for the future of eating disorder recovery treatment. You can follow Sarah on Instagram at embodiedself underscore sf, which will also be listed in the description along with her website. Sarah has also passed on a great list of resources for me to share with you all, which will also be included in the description of the episode. If you have a moment, please give the podcast a rate and a review. It helps with getting the show into more ears. And if you enjoyed the music on the show, you can check out John Tyler, whose information is always in the description of each episode. If you'd like to see more of Students of Mind, you can follow us on Instagram at Students of Mind or go to our website. And if you'd like to see more of me and my healing journey, you can follow me at Jade M. Barber. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.